Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. We're a small country and listen, we're up against it, but let's not just go along for the sing song every now and again. Well, if nothing else, Euro 2016 has proved there is still a role for the co-managers of international football. First, Lars Lagerbach and the dentist, Jaimir Halgrimson, take Iceland all the way to the last eight. And now this, the managerial dream team of Fernando Santos and Cristiano Ronaldo cajole their side from the touchline and lead them to Euro 2016 final success. Hi, Murph. Hey there, Owen. Hi, Richie. Morning, lads. Sometimes it's just these simple instructions. A dare after the game. Ronaldo told me I would score the winning goal for the team. <laughs> and he, he gave me the confidence to do so. I guess if you're Adair and you're getting instruction from Ronaldo and he's telling you... When he's playing, he probably doesn't quite have the time or the interest in his teammates mm. to, uh, let them, you know, to let them know what they uh, can and can't achieve. But the fact that he had time to think about it over the course of normal time, he came in, to, came in for extra time and gave these amazing pep talks. There is one point to make. I think every single time I came off the substitute bench onto the pitch, somebody would always say to me going on, <laughs> you know you're going to get the next goal. <laughs> I, I, I think that's just what you it's say. Your, it's your kind of game, Richie. It's your game. It's yeah. Look at this is space. It. It's made for you. That's yeah. why we're putting you on. <laughs> I was, uh, as always, I know I'm doing it again. I'm making it about the man who was only on the pitch for 15, 20 minutes or whatever. Well, it, it was. is but his it was day. So, it is on. his day. It was amazing. Did you see him ordering Guerrero back onto the pitch at one stage? Yep. It's an extra time. I don't the care guy, if you're injured. I, the, I, would, I would argue maybe that wasn't great management because the guy went back on the pitch and couldn't move. It might right. have been better just to leave him, off, leave him off there rather than wandering around. But I enjoyed it. You're, yeah, go on. Was he even allowed? Should he have been even out there? Is the technical area not reserved for one? It's reserved for... Managers and winners of the past, previous winners yeah, of the Ballon d'Or. Managers, Cristiano Ronaldo, maybe Messi and Zlatan. That they're the only, they're yeah. the only people. I mean, if Michael Owen was there, he could he could wander freely throughout the technical. Oh, it's all Ballon d'Or, is it? Yeah, oh, as a previous okay. Ballon d'Or winner, that's basically that. They're the rules. Clears so, that up. Yeah, it's not just that little gold ball trophy that you get. <laughs> it's also unfettered access to technical areas in throughout the entire UEFA zone. You've been a staunch defender of um, of Ronaldo. On this podcast during the tournament, were you pleased with I suppose less of a defender of Ronaldo, more of a hater of some of the critics of Ronaldo because of the reasons that they're focusing in on. Oh, yeah. But um, A hater of the haters. Yeah. A hater, hater. I'm full of hate towards <laughs> haters. Um, yeah, no, it was, I mean, it was a funny thing, like you said there, like even in a game where he did as, as a, probably less of all the games he's been involved in, he was only on a short amount of time, but we are still talking about him, but he's... He's just a remarkable figure, I think. Just remarkable personality and, and all the rest. But I, I am delighted for him that he... not that, I actually read Ken's piece at the weekend. Like all, all he's won on his Facebook followers and his wealth and all of that. It's an absurd thing to come out and say something like, you know, I'm actually pleased pleased for the lad. You know, that kind of... <laughs> he's a, finally got his juice. Yeah, exactly. He, he's had his day in the sun. But um, I am. I, I, I was pleased to won. I think... I don't think particularly France deserved to win it if you want to get into the, the specifics yeah. of the game. But um, yeah, no, I was. I, I was... 
the light of him, oddly. Well, we will uh, get into the specifics of the game, but we should give Adair his moment because here's a guy who hasn't featured as heavily in our football consciousness over the last <laughs> number of years. Do we want to hear the Portuguese commentary? I always like yeah, that. Yeah, it goes on for a lot longer than that Simon is, Simon is ordering me. Simon's fading this out. I, I would have gone on and played all 25 minutes from there on of this Portuguese Were there laser sounds in the background there? I mean, there's yeah, I think so. sort of weird sound effect to that. Who's the Irish equivalent? You know, we heard the Icelandic commentary team. You know, we heard the German commentary team after the Shane Long goal. There's that one. Like, who, who gets... Well, there is well, George Hamilton and his Bjorn Lillison... Lillilleen. impression, which was absolutely... That wasn't like... Bursts of like whatever. Yeah, hell no, that was. I, I think no, we're yeah. a little more. We're a little more buttoned up as Irish. People. Yeah, we're a little more stiff up. I, mean, I was, was going to suggest like, even Marty Marcy doesn't really like, get that excited. Keith you know, Andrews is is passionate. Yeah. Getting, uh, <laughs> getting extremely passionate. Yeah, most of the, much of the chagrin of some uh, of some observers. There was Antenna One. It was a radio station. Which, yeah, I mean, a TV station wouldn't be as ridiculous as to put in laser sound effects when a goal goes in, or maybe they would. Well, I don't know. I mean, it, it kind of seems like it, it is more suited to the visual than the audio, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, you could set the screen on fire. I'm just trying to think what Mark Horgan would do. You know, fires, uh, sort of flames rising up from the bottom <laughs> of the screen, explosions. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I just think that there's more there's more scope for the, the visual art there. Did you see... Yeah, something like that. Oh yeah, there'd be a wolf out. Thank you, Simon. There'd be a wolf out. Did you see Alex Ferguson afterwards? I did actually. Okay, so I'm 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 just gonna put it out there. I mean what what did people think of Alex Ferguson hugging Cristiano Ronaldo? I mean it is easy to be cynical about that as well. Is it why, why are you no. being cynical? Well, are no, you being cynical? I I I'm I i do not know. I mean I'm I'm preempting people other people's cynicism because I thought it was amazing. What would be the Root of this is what's what's the reason for the cynicism? Oh, I I don't know. It kind of seems like the Ferguson Ronaldo dynamic has in the past kind of gotten a bit of criticism, though. You know, people seem a bit weirded out by like how stridently Alex Ferguson has defended Ronaldo even after he sold him to Real Madrid for eighty million euro. I hadn't didn't realize that was necessarily the case. What I was struck by was the. It is when he said that because when he called Nanny over and Nanny came, like the obedient former mm. player came over and they had a really warm hug. And Ronaldo's hug was as warm, but Ronaldo seemed happy enough. He was like, oh, it's you. you know, yeah. Ronaldo's getting hugged by a lot of people at that moment. And when he sees that it's Alex Ferguson, there's a, a different reaction. And he has a really warm hug. Then, you know, he hugs for a couple of seconds, walks away. It's, the look on Alex Ferguson afterwards was amazing. It really was like his <laughs> yeah. son had just <laughs> yeah. won the years. He's looking at him going, I can't believe the kid has done it. Yeah. He's grown up to be this, this great man. It's absolutely... Uh, it's absolutely stunning. We go over to Paris and see what can. Why not? Congratulations! Take the applause of that crowd. And I suppose how could Portugal not win that game in front of what looked like a, a raucous home crowd for them, nearly? Oh yeah, no, there was. Um, they, they were the Portuguese fans were amazing, and they were amazing for the entire game. Um, maybe particularly after Cristiano Ronaldo got injured. Um, I suppose you, you often do find that with away fans uh, that they sing louder than home fans. They're the, they're kind of the ones who are up against it in a way, and they're the ones who are who are sort of putting it up to the home crowd. Portuguese fans really did that. I mean, to be honest, you know, the, you got the sense these are real football fans, whereas these French people are, you know, people who could get a ticket to see France play the final in Paris. You know what I mean? Um, I, I wonder what the median number of football matches attended by that <laughs> French crowd in Paris last night was. I suppose they have hosted another final in recent memory, so it would probably be at least two. Um, but the Portuguese fans were great. Um, you know, there, were, there weren't that, that many of them there, really. I guess that the stadium was at least five-sixths um, French. 
but um, all the noise was coming from uh, from the uh, boys and girls in red. What was the reaction when Ronaldo got injured? It was a it was a hell of a drama in the usual theatre around Cristiano Ronaldo. Then, of course, it, it, it certainly came across like the fans of both teams seemed to be quite warm towards him as he was stretched off. Oh, everybody, everybody loved him. Every single person in the stadium. Um, the whole place just gave him a standing ovation as he was being subbed off because I think everybody could see how how sad it was. It was, it was really awful. I mean, this was, you know, he's obviously thinking about this as... as Maybe the biggest game of his life. And that hasn't happened to him, I don't think, in a major game before. He has been injured. He has, he has, been, he has played games when he hasn't been really fully fit before. But I can't remember him having to go off injured after just a few minutes. I mean, it was eight minutes in that he, that he got the injury. And, yeah, it was, it, was, it was awful. I think everybody felt really sorry for him. I mean, what is his amateur? It, it ruined the game. I mean, it ruined the, the game. had actually been fantastic. Uh, for the first few minutes, suddenly Ronaldo was gone, and it was as though everybody, it put everyone off. Everybody was, was kind of, oh, you know, we can't do this anymore. It doesn't feel right without him. I'm sure that wasn't the actual thought going through their lines, but that, that was, that was almost how it seemed, uh, watching it from the stand. Did it put the French team off, Richie, in some strange way? It's interesting, actually. When, after he did go off, I did have a little spell in the game thinking, God, this is a bit of a missed opportunity now. They, Ronaldo's gone, so he's not going to play any kind of... A, I thought at the time, I thought Ronaldo wasn't going to play any kind of central role in Portugal winning. <laughs> How wrong you were. How completely wrong was I? Um, but yeah, it, it was it was an awful shame because of all the things he, he, he's won and done and all the money he's gotten. There are very few occasions, exactly like Ken said, which he'll arrive at and call it, right, this is... This means more than any other. This is my this is my night. This is the, this is what my career has been built up to, or whatever phrase he uses in his head. And you could see what it meant to him. Everyone knew what it would potentially mean to him to win, for him to go off and to be in tears. It was a shame, and it was glad he got the standing ovation as opposed to any other kind of thing. And whether to put France off or not, I don't they, know. They, they certainly didn't seem to be emboldened by it. They didn't think, right? We've gone out. We've okay. Whether it was a, f- a foul or not, I don't. Th- I don't think there was anything particularly wrong with the Paya tackle. But e- either way. Ronaldo was gone. Surely, as, as French players, you're like, right, we, we're already way better than these as footballers, as individual footballers. We're better than this other team. And now they're the only guy they have that's better than all of us isn't out there the, anymore. And yet they didn't seem to gain any strength. The, in that. Yeah, there wasn't a noticeable shift in, in, in anything. There wasn't a sense of like a kind of a, a ruthless collective response to say, right, you know, their best man's gone. These are vulnerable. They're weak. Let's, you know, let's pound these and stamp. I don't know what kind of. Phrases I'm looking for. I was going to stamp all over their heads, but that's probably a bit, bit much. Might be a little bit much, yeah. But it's uh, yeah, it wasn't. They were just so. I thought France was so disappointing mm. from from what you know, the, the 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 selection of Pogba in that role, his individual performance. Just uh, they just. I I don't think they can they can sit here and look back at last night's game and and think you know, that the performance they give was a performance worthy enough of winning that tournament. Well, I kind of thought, I got the impression that when Ronaldo went off, France knew then we're so much better than this team. We're, we have to win this match. We have to win this match. But they didn't really feel as though they were going to win it, and they didn't really have any idea of how they were going to go about that. They just knew, well, we better win this match now. I mean, he's gone, and the rest of this Portugal team is weak. I mean, physically weak compared to the French. There was no comparison. This kept happening all night. I mean, any time there was sort of a, two guys going for the ball, it was usually a Portuguese guy just ends up on the ground, smashed. I mean, there, there was no comparison between these teams in terms of strength, in terms of power. That was what made it so weird that Portugal were the stronger team at the end. You know, Portugal in the last 10, 15 minutes of the match were ripping France to pieces. They were taking the game to them. And they seem to have all this energy. I mean, I don't know what happened to France. I, 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 I can't really understand it, but I feel as though they, the, the, once they saw another go off, it was like, okay, you know, he's gone. That's, that's their best chance gone. We're definitely going to win this. We have to win this. We have to win this. And then we're too cautious because the risk of losing, the risk of losing that game just started to obsess them, I think. They didn't really, they, they weren't taking any chances. I mean, after an hour, you're watching this game, going, what are, what are France doing here? Why are they not trying to win this game? They're just passing it around. It's like they're, they're paralyzed. Everyone's looking at everyone else. It's like, well, you know, who's going to take the initiative here? And, you know, no, nobody did. I mean, there was, there was some guys who tried. I mean, you know, Griezmann is always kind of a lively player. But then again, he missed, he missed probably their best chance. Um, 
I thought the substitutions from Deschamps were were appalling. You know, I, I don't understand how you can have Anthony Marshall on your bench and not use him until such a late point of the game. I think he only came on when, it, when they were already one 0 down. I thought that was crazy. You know, what I mean, how can you how can you do that? I thought Deschamps was sitting there in his dugout. Um, I've never actually seen a manager get so wound up and exercise while. Well, at all times, maintaining an almost doubled-over sitting position. You know what I mean? You like if you saw Fernando Santos during the game was absolutely going mad. Um, he was like he, he he was like a character out of out of an opera. You know, like just capering up and down the sidelines, screaming at everyone, um, mainly Mark Clattenburg. But you know, I'm not saying that that's I'm not saying that that is a uh, that 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 was a vital factor in Portugal's victory. I just thought it was a more it was a kind of a, a more relatable response to the stress that he was obviously under. He was out there trying to, you know, trying to trying to rant and rave into into the air just to try and release some of the stress that he was feeling. Didier Deschamps was sitting there with like a fist in his mouth, doubled over on the bench, like he, he was obviously going through all the same stuff, but like couldn't move from where he was. He was frozen. His team was frozen. His substitutions were terrible. And it's a day that will uh, live in infamy in the history of French football. Which substitution in particular was terrible? I have my own theory. Gignac. Yes, Ken. We saw this tactic against us, against Ireland. Gignac came on and thankfully uh, was nice enough not to pour on all the pain that he could have by scoring a few goals, uh, which he was in a, a position to do. And, th- and this seems to be, maybe managers get it in their head. This is the guy who comes on uh, no matter what. He's, he's the next best striker, so he'll come on. When when I take Giroud off or when, when I ch- when I want to change things up, and he stuck with that this time, albeit I suppose he very nearly um, very nearly scored the winner in the last minute. Yeah, um, he did, but that was what. What would I see Marshall have done in that position? Score a goal. I think he would have scored. <laughs> yeah. I think he would have scored. I mean, you know, uh, you can't. It's, it's always a little bit stupid, I suppose, to be to be talking about how great some guy is. He didn't play, and how it would have been different if he had, but. I just don't see the comparison between like how can you, how can you have Marshall on the bench and use and use Zinyak? It's crazy. The guy's playing in Mexico for a reason, you know. I think Marshall's play, playing for a big club in Europe. You know, is a is a top player. It's it's insane that that you could have him on the bench and not use him until the very end. It's like oh, we need a goal. Suppose I better send you on. You need a goal before then. I thought it was I thought it was really stupid. I thought it was terrible. I think I think it's done massive damage to Deschamps' reputation. I mean, both tactically and temperamentally. I mean, I suppose it's difficult. It's 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 you know who who knows how, how much pressure he was under. Who knows how hard it is to be in opposition to be the guy who's got to deliver this. You know, in your home your stadium with the whole country watching and expecting you to win, and you've got to deliver it. And and I'm sure that's that's very difficult. But you know, it was it was too much for him. We saw that last night. He could he couldn't handle that. Um, they're not going to forget about that. I'm sure Cantona was uh, raising a glass last night to that. The water carrier, uh, the water carrier teams, the whole team of uh, a whole team of water carriers with no no idea how to attack. I'm sure Eric Cantona would have been uh, had a few knowing nods last night, a few knowing winks and nods as uh, as that match played out before him. I wonder whether that was a fact that, that, that the pressure and the expectation, as you said, it's, it's, it's impossible for us, particularly from this distance, to kind of get, get any kind of sense of what it's like to be in Deschamps' shoes. But from the players, like you, the, the way you outlined it there, like when Ronaldo went off, I, I can't imagine a, a, a scenario which would have favoured them more than, than that at that moment. Like they're playing in their home country, huge crowd favouring them against a team that they're better than and physically stronger than and whose opponent loses its pivotal like key player. And you're sitting there going, right, right, and we're... we're in the history of their, of their country. Exactly. <laughs> and so we're, we're sitting there going, right, we're looking for a response of, right, you know, we're, we're going for this. This is it. This is our stage. And, and you stamp your authority. And instead, we got a kind of a collective, right, lads, let's not blow this kind of thing. And they just seemed a little bit... Um, kind of out of sorts, and and so the, they shot his decision. The the, the 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 position Pogba was in, the couple of substitutions, um, it just all went wrong for them. Ken, who did you get a chance to chat afterwards? Yeah, I talked after the game to um, Miguel Dolan, Johnson Wilson. The uh, you, you can hear that the stadium was still playing a bit of music to um, you know salute the victory or whatever. So uh, that's the that's the background noise that you hear. Miguel. 
Uh, Delaney, how happy are you with that? Um, I, I think it was a better game than people were um, maybe kind of complaining because it was a lot of tension to it. And I think the fact that uh, you, like, one thing, one really kind of joyful thing out of, out of it was how much it really meant to Portugal. I think we were, I mean, we were just discussing all the way there that Portugal is more of a football country than France. And I think more of their population will get more out of the win. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, I haven't been here for the last five weeks and I haven't seen the way the French team, kind of, the, sorry, the French public took to the team a bit. Uh, I'm a little a bit disappointed for them, I think. But, um, you know, I can't really complain about the result, I suppose, because France did, I think, get it wrong. Like, Deschamps got so many things wrong. Yeah. And they got it chickened out a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Jonathan, what would you... Uh, Jonathan Wilson, your, your view on that? You reckon uh, France chickened out? Yeah, I do. I mean... I think you've got to give Fernando Santos credit that after the Hungary game uh, there, were, there were pretty obviously major problems in the Portuguese defence and he, he sort of decided okay forget any attacking nonsense we're just going to keep clean sheets and you know they let in one goal in 420 minutes in the knockout yeah. phase so you've got to give him huge credit for that but you look at the quality in the France side compared to the Portugal side and they should have been able to produce more than they did yeah. well I mean it's, it's the bizarre thing actually I think France started the game very well he had two, those two chances uh, including the Poyet ball for Griezmann. But it was as if, as soon as Ronaldo went off, it seemed to actually affect France more than it did Portugal. Yeah. It, it was such a kind of a weird vibe to the game then, and it kind of emboldened Portugal. But, but beyond that as well, I think like almost every big call Deschamps got wrong. It, like, what, you, I don't know what was going on with the strikers, maybe bringing on Gignac rather than Martial. Right, and he's uh, insane. And, and, and I mean, how can you do that? But then even in the middle of the pitch, like if you, if you think about what, how his midfield was constructed, is if he was trying to get the best out of the worst player in the midfield, which affected the best player. I mean, using Pogba in a holding role is a complete waste of his talents. So, so you mean he was trying to get the best out of uh, Soko? Soko. Uh, yeah, like, it, it was. It was. There were so many things just so bizarre about I mean, the French. That's letting Pogba off a bit too easily. I mean, this guy is supposed to be the best young midfield player in Europe. Talking about, you know, Jose Mourinho wants to sign for 120 million. He looked like he hadn't got a clue what he was doing out there. Well, I think that's because he's in a position that didn't think they didn't get. Like, I wouldn't completely well, get. Well, you, you can't blame that on the manager. I, mean, I, guys, I think I think you can. I, I, the guy's I, I, making his own decisions out there. He, he yeah, but no but, idea but, what but, to do. Well, you could see, you could see with like Pogba, it was almost as if he was instructed not to leave the centre circle, which takes away, which takes away everything that's good out of Pogba's game. Because one of the best things of Pogba's game is his power, but he didn't get to use that at all. What do you make of it, John? Would you go along with Miguel there? He's yeah, I would. I mean, I, I think the comparison you made about Pogba being like Gerard is exactly right. You, you can't. Yeah, you know, he's good at making tackles. He's very fit, so he, he can get up and down. But he's not disciplined enough to do that from a deep deep role. Or when he is in a deep role, he's sort of having to think so much about that that he's not doing what he's really good at and what other players can't do, which is yeah. to just keep running and keep running and keep making tackles. And you saw that even the semi-final. When Kante came on after, what, 70 minutes and Pogba suddenly released and his reaction to being released is to go on this mad charge and win the ball back which creates a second goal. Yeah. That's what, how he should use him. I think Deschamps, he's got this problem of having too many good players and he, you know, he's forgotten the basics of yeah. playing a holding player in a holding role. <laughs> he's just been trying to fit in all these more glamorous players when maybe they could have done with a, you know, a Schneiderlin or something like that and then you build the others around that. And I think that's what Portugal did really well. They sort of forgot about Ronaldo. Yeah. You know, there's, there's, there's a sort of an irony that he's finally won the thing when the thing stopped being about him. Yeah, and that was yeah. emphasised by the fact he wasn't even on the pitch for the last 105 minutes. Amazing. Yeah. Oh, 95 minutes, sorry. But, uh, yeah, I, I almost think that it did benefit Portugal in going off. I mean, obviously they'd have had more goal threat if he'd been there, but it just sort of, I think it just clarified things. It's a bit like when... Um, like what Chris Coleman was saying, I thought, um, the other day, uh, or after, after Wales v Belgium, he said, well... You know, the, the one thing you don't want to do against Belgium is go 1-0 down after a few minutes against this brilliant counter-attacking team. So when that did happen to us, it was like, well, the worst is, the worst case scenario has just happened. Now it's already happened. We can kind of get on with the game. Yeah, yeah but, I mean, what, what I meant was it's, it's almost like when, when Motta was sent off in, that, in the 2010 semi-final. Suddenly it's like, OK, we keep the two banks of four. We don't let one in. And it's almost like there's no pressure to attack once Ronaldo's not there. There's nobody really expects them to do anything. So they, they could just defend. And then... Yeah, you could see France gradually the belief drifting from. And I, I wonder. I mean, you made the point that you know, did, did they did almost become complacent? They thought the job was done when, when Ronaldo yeah. went off. But uh, it was a little bit. I I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe maybe that is the case. But I think there's two other possible explanations. One is in that semi-final they were really good for 10, 15 minutes. So the surge of the Marseilles. Yeah, it, it's just a bit like Brazil in 2014. That the surge of emotion carries them forward, and then that dissipates, and they've got to they've got to reset. Which is not a bad thing as long as you, you know how to reset. 
Uh, and I also wonder whether just having those three lengthy stoppages while Ronaldo was getting treatment sort of affected their rhythm. Um, After stroke by the 2017 Ballon d'Or winner. <laughs> <laughs> Which he clearly is going to win, by the way. Well, well, Ronaldo having a good grace to go off on the stretcher when he was actually injured. It is. Yeah. Ronaldo's actually had the best year of his career it's in amazing. terms of trophies. But in terms of uh, performance, it's probably his worst year since 2006. And that's not to say his 2006 was particularly bad, but it just wasn't at the level of the, ne- of the, like, yeah. the supreme level we've seen for the last decade. I saw that our old uh, friend Raymond Verheyen oh. uh, was taking a hard line on Dimitri Payet, uh, suggested that uh, it was deliberate... Foul. I have to say, I've never seen anyone deliberately take out an opponent by, uh, first of all, looking up at the sky, and secondly, trying to slam their knee into the other knee. It just it seemed like a really weird way it's to take out an opponent. It's, it's, it's almost a, an attacker's reducer in that sense. Like yeah. it's, it's not proper because defenders know how to take them out properly. But that's that's clearly what it was. Yeah. I mean, it was it was a case of um, yeah, like it? you can imagine Deschamps I said to him a few minutes, you know, before the game. Don't just stand there admiring him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know? yeah. Would, would you, do you think it was a malicious? Uh... No, I wouldn't. Say, I wouldn't say it was any calculation. I think like it's obviously a bad challenge. It's, re- it's reckless. But I, I, like I, I don't think that Poyet has gone out kind of thinking I'm going to do Ronaldo. Yeah, yeah. Would you? I, I mean, maybe, but I, I, I don't think you say that with any certainty at all. It's, yeah. it's a little bit clumsy. I mean, Clattenburg didn't even give a foul. Clattenburg slightly on the blind side. Well, English, English referee, as Trevor Ryan said, uh, significantly. <laughs> A heroic English referee who had a magnificent miss in the game and is, is done not merely his country, but the town in which he lives proud. Would you, would you, would you say in many ways it makes England the real winners of the Euro 2016? <laughs> the only winners. Okay. Uh, but no, he, he had, um, I mean, Clattenburg was slightly blindsided to the, the knee going into Ronaldo's leg. But, yeah, Pyatt won the ball with, with one foot and then sort of as Ronaldo's body comes around, he, he hits the other leg. So it's, it's a firm tackle, but... I think to say that's yeah. yeah. There's a lot easier ways to injure an opponent than doing that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so at worst, a bit clumsy, I think. Yeah, you can hear in the background some people are uh, shouting over the, you know, stadium speakers here. I don't know really what they're saying. You can see people out there trying to clear up. Um, is that some Portuguese uh, kids? Uh, I don't know if I can. I don't know if I can see Ronaldo. He's definitely a player. I think it's Ronaldo. He's got a he's got a medal around the man around his neck he's wearing one of the white t-shirts still some guys still some guys out there kind of all the green and red and silver confetti on the pitch and they're kind of going to start the clean up here so this is the end of this really really long European Championship uh, I wonder when you look back I mean I think you were saying Miguel that you've really enjoyed uh, you know being here for five weeks but you can't seriously tell me uh, that that's been a good tournament uh, I don't think it was as bad as the 2010 World Cup but it's not been <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but I suppose if, they, if, they, if, they, if that's immediately the kind of the, the, the frame of reference, then I suppose that doesn't really speak too well of it. I, like I suppose it, this is the thing: had France won with the kind of flair they showed against Germany, then um, then we all could have said, well, there was at least one good team. Yeah, yeah, it kind of. But, but the, I think the, the, way, the way Portugal win it or won it and how they play it, it kind of some, some even kind of emphasizes the kind of the style of play that was playing. And we did probably see more teams play like Portugal than we did say like like France or Croatia when they were good yeah. um, but it's been actually the one, one thing for the tournament has been the, the, the tournament of uh, broken historic trends uh, you know Germany finally eliminated the, France eliminated um, Germany, Germany. Portugal, uh, yeah yeah yeah. Uh, what do you make of it, Jonathan? Is it good? Uh, was that historical trends being broken enough to elevate this tournament, in your view? No, I thought it was terrible. Really? I mean, I had a great time because it was in France. Yeah, and that's basically and I, I mean, you're right, the other World Cup was worse, but what if you swapped the games over and that tournament had been in France and we'd been going around eating nice food? Yeah. Yeah. Then it would have been better. It would have, 2010 World Cup would have been better if it had been in France. All World Cups would be better for in France. No, I mean, it was... It, it, it was, it was, it was well, I've had a good month, but... The football's been awful. There's been maybe two, three good games maximum. Um, well, I say best games was Germany, France, Portugal, Hungary, Wales, uh, Belgium, Wales, Belgium, Belgium, Belgium yeah. uh, Spain, Croatia as well. England, Iceland. That was more kind of funny. That was more entertaining from a kind of the hilarity aspect rather than actually being a good game. Yeah. Well, it was an epic ending, to be fair. Uh, the last thing really is, I, I have to say that I am delighted for the Portuguese fans. Uh, throughout the entire game, they were really magnificent yeah. gave the team great support you could see how much it meant it was, it's kind of good it's, it was good I think to see in the end the game won by the team that, to whom it clearly meant more yeah, that, yeah and I think if you're going to have um, you're a, a winner who hasn't been dom- you know, in, a, in a tournament with no dominant side uh, if you have to pick a winner then to be fair to Portugal they've been in, what, in every quarter final since 96 yeah. they've had some pretty bad luck in that run 
Um, I think even from Ronaldo's point of view, you know, Portugal, it's only country of 10.5 million people. They've been in seven semi-finals, include World Cups, and Ronaldo's been in four of those. So yeah, he, he's he's done his part. So there's something quite nice, quite fitting. I mean, if this is probably his last year, as my, as my guess, it might be his last international tournament. But if that is the end, it's nice he has won it because he probably does, over his career, deserve it. I was talking to a Portuguese journalist during the week who said they think Ronaldo is going to stick around because Ronaldo actually thinks this is a really, really good, young group of talented players and they're going to have a really good future. Now, I don't think Santos necessarily got the best out of, that, out of some of those players um, while, while make, still making an effective team. So he reckons well, just cool, Ronaldo like, reckons they can win the World Cup now? Well, apparently he's very confident about how far they can go. If you look at that midfield, which is the strength of the side, all four of them are 24 under. So, I mean, from that point of view, and they've kind of proven they don't need Ronaldo to actually do anything to win the tournament. <laughs> he floats around up front, everybody, everybody focuses on him. And uh, you've got William Carvalho sort of clagging around, yeah, yeah. making tackles. It, and it is one that kind of irritates. Well, as you said, kind of everyone focuses on Ronaldo. But you, like, there's been a few games I've talked about with Portugal where. When, when all the other defenders are, f- are focusing on Ronaldo, you would want to see maybe someone else step up. And like, I think it's surprising they didn't play Moutinho that way. But Santos was so defensive, there's often this massive gap. It was basically three attackers, then 30 to 40 yards back, the rest of the team. And, and that, that's one re- one reason I kind of be a little bit not well, not grumpy or have cried, but one reason why you think it'd be critical of maybe Portugal as champions. But I suppose you know they, yeah. they've done enough. Just the last thing actually that occurs to me is that when um, when Fr- the last time France had a disappointment on this scale. In football, it was David Ginola's fault. At least that's what Jared Houdet said. The great thing about this is that it was everybody's fault. I've almost never Mostly seen Deschamps. <laughs> Deschamps. Well, Deschamps might emerge as a scapegoat, but I've almost never seen a goal in which so many players on a team were guilty of cocking it up in yeah, the build-up to yeah. the goal. Yeah, but I mean, still, Deschamps would be the one who's scapegoat. He'll be the one who carries a can. That's kind of fair enough. So? Rightly so. Yeah, I think so. I mean, if you look at the tournament as a whole, like, how many games do you get his tactics right from yeah, the start? Yeah. The Iceland game, maybe Switzerland in the group stage, if we're being generous. Second half against Ireland. Yeah, that's what I'm saying from the start. How many did he get uh, right? I mean, he's done pretty well at putting it right at half time, but I mean, do you, do you praise him for that or do you criticise him for getting it wrong from the start? And they've had the easiest run imaginable. Yeah. You, can't, I mean, you can't have had. <laughs> well, well, yeah, but, but you know, the, the tournament was set up for them. Yeah. Easy, easy group. England made it easy for getting out, you know, getting out of the way. I'm not saying England would have beaten them, but at least they didn't have the sort of pressure of a, of a big game. A team who'd beaten them back in, well, last autumn, whenever it was, yeah. October, was it last autumn? Yeah. Oh, November. It was November, wasn't it? It was after the yeah. attacks. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, absolute doddle of a run, and they still messed it up. Well, the, the one thing I think it says, well, I mean, Santos isn't a particularly great manager when you, if you look at his career, but... The fact that his way of playing proved so effective it shows that I mean one of the trends of this tournament, even more so maybe than the low quality of some of the teams in it, is the low quality of the managers. And I felt like, like Conte stood out a mile and almost took a really limited Italy team so far because he, he's basically the only manager approaching great in this tournament. Because I mean the thing about it is, why would any prime top class manager want to come into international football now? The, the pay is less. Uh, it's worse for your profile. It's not as good for your profile. It doesn't have as much merit. Um, and, and, and we're not, we're not going to see a prime Guardiola or prime Mourinho kind of bring their sophistication to this level. And I, and I think it means a lot of teams play in a, quite a basic way, and any sort of kind of minor tactical trick can have a massive effect. And then you know, Deschamps kept playing bad tricks. Well, I'm, I'm tired of hearing international football slag off by the two of you. So, um, <laughs> well, just one, one final point on that. Um, I don't have a stand in front of me, but it'll be in a piece I'm doing for the Guardian, which will be out on Tuesday. If you if you look at the number, of, this is the preview. Yeah. If, if you if you look at the number of games in this tournament where one team has had forty percent possession or, or under, yeah. and you compare it to the Premier League, there is a massive disparity because loads of teams at this level just go, okay, shut up, shop from you the mean, start. You mean loads? Uh, there are there are far more games in this tournament where one team has less than forty percent possession than in the Premier League. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and that's just bad football. You know, good football is when two teams attack each other. Bad football is is when it's it's all played in one off, and those games can be, you know, dramatic or enthralling. But you wouldn't want all the football to be like that because if you if you did, you just watch training sessions of attack against defence. Yeah, well, you, know, you, you you want two teams going at each other. You want both teams having a chance to score in goals. That's yeah. it from the start of France uh, Euro 2016. Bad football, uh, nice cities, good memories. Signing <laughs> off, Miguel, Jonathan, uh, bonsoir, bonsoir. Eh?
Great stuff there with Jonathan and Miguel after the game, Ken. And uh, well, well, a couple of things to pick out of that. France chickened out was a phrase that came up. Would you go that far? Well, that came, it came to my head just because of the um, proud uh, cockerel that struts around on all the French <laughs> uh, insignia. And really, it was just transformed into a chicken uh, last night. A, 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 a querulous, timorous chicken. Um, scuttling around the field looking for refuge. That was the image that I had uh, last night from these from these French players. You know, I don't I don't want to you know dance on their graves here, Owen, but it really was a shameful, a shameful performance. I mean, a, a, a psychological collapse, uh, a tactical meltdown. The only moment when the French team came together and really made something happen was on Portugal's goal. It was it was amazing. I mean, watch that goal again and see how many players are at fault. It's just—it's staggering. It's not, not just Koscielny, because oh yeah, obviously a lot has been made of the fact that Koscielny just been booked and might have been wary of diving in or whatever. So, well, Sanya to start with. Uh, we were watching the game last night again, actually, because they were showing this game. Uh, I was after the game went went back into town and we were having a beer. They were showing the whole game. Uh, we were able to watch a little bit of it, and what I was, I was struck by how 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 many problems. Um, Sanya's throw-ins caused to his own team because um, we were watching waiting for the goal it's like the news had started with Sanya's throw-in uh, and there was just so many of them he was, just throw, he was just vaguely sort of flinging the ball in the direction of, of the field you know and with his eyes closed hoping that you know it was all going to work out okay he was, it, was, it was ridiculous he threw the ball up the field in the vague direction of Griezmann and Gignac both of whom looked totally exhausted Gignac even though he'd only been on the field you know for 50 minutes or whatever um Neither of them managed to get it. They they both were weak in the in the challenge. They lost lost out, and the ball came back to I think it was it was João Mario or or Quaresma, one of Portugal's uh, balls players. Um, Sanya uh, tried to tackle him but failed. Ball came back to Matinho, and then Matinho no one tackles him, so he runs forward and passes it to Adair. Then you've got Koscielny, who's sort of hanging off Adair, but like not. Like, like he brushes him aside like a curtain, you know? Uh, and he, and he, Ader actually miscontrols the ball, taking it slightly away from goal. <laughs> it's just, he's barely, this guy can barely control the ball. Koscielny uh, still can't get anywhere near it. Umtiti then comes into play. Umtiti is just running along in front of it there, almost as though to say, see, see that whole area of the goal I've just exposed behind me? Try, try and kick it in there. I'll just keep moving just to, just to keep that window over for you, just to get out of the way of your shot window there. So Adair then just hits the ball as hard as he can. It bounces twice before it goes in, beating Hugo Lloris from, you know, more than 25 yards. A shot that bounces twice should not be beating your goalkeeper from that distance. Six players, six French players at fault. A total disaster. The one moment in which they all came together and made something happen in the field. Uh, Richard, sounded listening there as though Ken didn't quite agree with... Jonathan and Miguel, who were giving Pogba a bit of a free pass, they reckoned, well, he was played in the wrong position. He was played, but his manager put him in a place where he can't do any damage from as a holding midfielder. So what's a guy to do? 
Would you would you give him that pass? I, I suppose it, it it depends on how strict the instructions were. If he was told, you know, to sit and 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 and, and not join in any attack, or if if you know how much how much constraint is the manager putting on him? But I think it's a bit of both. It, I I don't I think there is a better role to give Pogba. He's we've seen that from him before than a holding midfielder. Certainly, if you want a holding midfielder, there's better French players to give that role too. Yeah. Um, but it is it, like a player obviously has to take responsibility himself. But um, I wouldn't give him a total free pass. Uh, feels yes, like, uh, I mean, I, I think it's important to remember that that's the same position that he'd been playing um, in the previous games when France had played quite well. I mean, he played there against Germany. I didn't see people criticising Didier Deschamps for playing him in the wrong position. You know, he, he was, they, they found that formation during the tournament. Deschamps decided, OK, this is the formation that works. You know, personally, when I, when I look at it, I wonder why you've got to pick Olivier Giroud. I mean, what, why is he in the team? I just don't see... Uh, I mean, OK, f- fair enough. If you want a goal against Iceland, or if you want someone to bully Richard Keogh, then maybe Olivier Giroud is your man. But in the, in the European Championship final, I, uh, you know, I'm surprised he got it even as long on the field as he did, because it was clear it was, it was just going to be another one of those Giroud nights. Oh, the game is of a certain size. Well, we know who's not going to perform tonight. You've got Marshall on the bench. You know, I mean, if, if, I, was, if I was picking a French team, I would say... I would use uh, N'Golo Kante, and then you've got Paul Pogba, who can play as essentially the second striker. But I think that would be his best position. And then you can play Griezmann as a striker. Oh, but Griezmann's only small. Yeah, well, Pogba's very big. You know what I mean? If you're talking about, if, you, if you're saying, oh, I need, I need the power, I need the awesome defense-terrifying power of Olivier Giroud, right? I think actually, okay, if you've got Paul Pogba in your team, you've got like all of those qualities to a greater degree. Also, with the added bonus that he may not completely freeze like a rabbit before the headlights because it's a big game. And then you've got Anthony Marshall on the bench. To be honest, I can't understand how Didier Deschamps could not play that guy. I don't know what's going on. I don't. I have no idea. I, if if he shouldn't be playing for that French team, I I have no idea about football. I just don't understand it at all because he looks to me like a better player than almost all of the players who were playing who were actually playing for him. So so. You know, search me for a reason for that. Oh, somebody's taking my bell again. Where's my bell? Simon, give me your give me your replacement for the bell, please. Ooh. Ah, the wolf help. Perfect. A, f- a fine choice of uh, nonsensical sound effect. Murph Baker tweets. Mm, so he he starts on home alone now. Well, alight and just started on the grappa. If there was an England game on now, we'd have some top tweets in prospect. Which, to be fair, you know, again, we're 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 verging into sort of. Uh, a knowing wink to the audience as opposed to all-out rage, which is what we got interested in right First from the start with yeah. the Danny, ba- Danny Baker tweets. Uh, the UN just downgraded this game from ordinary to effing awful. The awful, awful, awful truth, three awfuls, is that with just a bit of effing effort, even England could have won this. Hashtag not bothered. <laughs> uh, the old lady at the at front of this 1968 grandkids family picture is my nan, who could have scored that header. <laughs> <laughs> After I, I like that a creative take on the no, standard. I, I my like granny it. could have scored that. Yeah. I like it. Oh God, extra time! Like when a band come back for a third encore when you've got a bus to catch. Hashtag thanks, but no thanks. Hashtag France Portugal. Uh, do you want any more of these? I don't know. The, the, the last one is. Uh, I, I think we we might as well round it out with with, the, with his last one also. How the fuck are Portugal Euro champions? It's almost as if the whole tournament has been a complete waste of time. France were useless too. <laughs> Thank you, Daddy, for uh, shining a light. He lost his, you're right, though. He lost his rage. I think he just became bored by it at the end. Were you no, bored just, by the Euros, Richie? I saw a lot of people on, on, on Twitter in particular complain that it went to extra time. And I was sitting there going, why would you complain about that? Like, wake up this morning. Now what are you going to do? What game are you going to watch now? Like, it, the tor- it's done now. Um, so I don't, I don't know why people would object to seeing more football. What about the tournament as a whole? I've seen better. I remember about in, in the second week, I think, it might have been you, where someone asked me, says, what do you think of the tournament? I said, I'm, I'm, I'm loving it. And then I got a kind of a puzzle response. I said, you, you're loving it? Like they, they were going to say, you know, this hasn't been great. And I was thinking, actually, it's not so much a tournament I love. I, I love my life since the tournament started. <laughs> <laughs> because, because I wake up every day and have you know, the little calendar thing in your phone which tells you what you're doing. And it's just two o'clock, you're watching a match, five o'clock match. Mm-hmm. And every day the variety is just like the identity of the team. That's all the changes. So, so that was great. But um, in terms of the quality, like I said this the other day here, I don't know how many matches I'll specifically... Re- Some of them I've already forgotten. Oh, yeah. 
I, I don't know how many, like even the results is something I've forgotten. I would uh, say the majority, I've forgotten the majority of games. There, there were some good stories though. I mean, there was the, yeah. the Iceland story was amazing. That was the phenomenal. Whale, the Wales story was amazing. Yeah. The Ronaldo, f- right from having a go at Iceland and being everyone's villain from the start to turning it around, not that he probably cared either way, but maybe turning it around and becoming the sympathetic mm. hero mm. by the last game. That was amazing as well. So and even it, it's almost like we, we just we always narrow it down to how good were the games. Mm. Like football's kind of a bit more than that. Yeah, isn't it? way more. Than well, that. this is the thing. This is this is exactly it, Owen. Um, uh, just the the range of different stories that happened in that tournament. I mean, it's just the, like in football, it's not just about how, you know how good is the game, the technical, the technical mm. qualities of the game. That's actually the least important thing about it. And what's it's one the, of the most boring I, things to discuss, I think, as well. Yeah. <laughs> the real, what's really, what, what everyone likes it, the reason there's like 80,000 people in the stadium watching that, is to see something like what happened with Ronaldo last night. You know, the, you know, game of his life, oh my God, struck down by injury, comes out again, uh, you know, come on guys. Uh, this guy, this supreme individualist player, who's, you know, put himself above everyone else, but by his achievements and by his behaviour, is like you know the outstanding figure in the history of his country's football. Now rendered powerless, and has and and his team wins it for him. Well, not for him, for themselves as well. But I mean, it's such a great story. Like Ronaldo got them to that final. They're never going to be in the final. They're out in the group stage if it wasn't for Ronaldo. His equalisers against Hungary. You know, he's the guy who's consistently made a difference. Dragged them all the way to the final, and then has to then is out and watches as they win it for him. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful story. That's it's those kinds of things that are that are really what's about. I think this tournament has actually had a lot of that. Yeah, I mean the Iceland England game was just mm. was amazing. Mm. You know the what happened with Ireland. I thought was was great to watch. You know a lot of the it's just there's been there's been just a lot of kind of drama. I mean some of it has been slapstick. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's been a lot of ridiculous sort of things. There have been a lot of bad games, but I suppose. There are a lot of moments that you'll remember as well, which is, uh, isn't that what it's all about, Owen? Yeah, even the Ireland stuff. I mean, the, the, the Italy game. Like, there'd be lots of moments of that game like I've already forgotten in, in, in a couple of months' time. There'd be little I remember. I remember what that night was like. I remember the following morning like we, we met for a podcast. Like, the feeling and the elation and the, just the... You're sitting there going, like, this is, this is kind of... Was era defining for us. This is a standout result. A standout We're in the thick of it now. Yeah, yeah, it is, yeah. It is nice to have your own country and they're doing well. Let's be honest about yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that was that. That was amazing. Like again, way more than a kind of memory of like Kent at any kind of a strategic or tactical um, analysis of any like game. That, yeah. yeah, I think even the neutrals enjoyed the. Uh, the Robbie Brady goal against Italy, the, the drama of that. I don't know how good the mm. game was necessarily to watch, but yeah, fair bit going on. Lovely package last night on RTE, Richie, before they closed it there. It was John Giles' last game. Yes. You've enjoyed working with John in, inside? I have, yeah. I remember a lot of people kind of been asking me about about John in the last little while because he was leaving. I, I remember, I don't know whether I said this on air before here, but the first dealings I ever had with him, someone... I got the call to say, right, you're, you're stepping up to do the Premier Soccer Saturday show. And one of the producers rang me on the Wednesday night and said, listen, John has asked for your number. Can Is it OK to give it out? I said, yeah. So he rang me the next day said, can I meet you the following day? So I met him on the Friday, not knowing at all why he was wanting to meet me. And I'd never spoken to him personally before. And we met in a cafe or a pub or something in, in Rat Mines. And we're sitting there for three hours, I remember. And, and I was in a bit of a rush by the end because I had my column to write and I didn't want to kind of say, listen, mate, I have to go. <laughs> this is all well and good. But he could. He, uh, he was amazing because he was just... Uh, maybe a little bit of he was sussing me out or, or, or all that kind of stuff because we hadn't met. But he was just really generously just sharing his experience of what it's like to work in RTE and the little things he's learned over the years. And then there was loads of times for, for a good few months we'd speak regularly on the phone and he'd give me feedback on what I was writing in the column and again just sharing his views and whether he agreed or disagreed and even before programs or even we'd watch matches when we'd see a bit of analysis and I you know I want to do that and I I decide on the footage I was going to talk about he he would kind of lean in and just say no not not telling you what to say or what to do but have you noticed how x does y there and you might want to mention that you don't have to if you don't want to little things like that um so he 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 was full of that um and it was great, yeah, yeah. It was r- great to work with. Well, best of luck to uh, to John. I think that's about it from us for the Euros. Didn't ask about the moths yesterday, Ken. Are you okay? Were you attacked by any moths? Um, well, when I arrived up uh, to the desk 
uh, I, I found it all covered in this weird stuff. And I was like, what is, why is this desk dirty? This is disgusting. And then I saw this moth uh, sitting there, uh, like lying there. I, I see him dead on the desk. And I, thought, oh. and, and I looked around and I could see more of these things. And I, and I looked around at the, de- uh, at the other desk because I thought, this is a disgrace. My desk is dirty. This, you know, UEFA will pay for this. And then looked around and all the desks were the same. They were covered in this sort of dark film of, ugh. And I kind of realized to my horror, this is actually moth stuff. This is like from, there are moths everywhere here. What's happening here? And and they were absolutely all over the place. They were, they were you could you could see it. I think it was most obvious in the pitch. Well, presumably, well, actually, when Ronaldo was yeah. was sitting there, there was a moth in his eye. Clattenburg, when he was checking the nets beforehand, was just being he, he was being swarmed by them. Um, apparently, they just left the lights on. I don't know if you've ever done that with your like bathroom at home. I'll, I have. Uh, there are times when you know you need the bathroom light on, particularly in those sweltering summer nights. And uh, you arrive in the next day to find um, a lot of insects have joined you yeah. in the bathroom. Well, imagine that on a stadium scale, and you get what we had there last night. Thanks, Kane. Get back here safely. Thanks, Aaron. I'll, I'll try. Thanks, Richie. Cheers, lads. Thanks, Murph. Thanks, Owen. Thanks, Thanks Richie. Sure. Thanks, Kane. Thanks so much for listening. We have another podcast out today uh, reflecting on the championship, big championship stories of the weekend. So we'll chat to you then. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.